Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 12. And this week, we are finishing our discussion on middle school. So sit back, relax, dig out your blockbuster card, or if you're from my town, Video Hut, and think about going to rent Field of Dreams and The Lion King for the 12th time. Let's get started. This middle school series has been weirdly therapeutic for me (laughs) in the sense that I did not realize that a lot of what I remember and what I went through in middle school really shaped who I am as an adult in good and bad ways. And it's been so encouraging to hear from other people that had very similar experiences, just knowing that I wasn't alone and that I wasn't crazy. Like these things were big deals and they affected me just as much as they affected you. So thank you for giving me a mini therapy session. (laughs) I'm sure I benefited from it way more than you did, but I appreciate you listening to me talk about it. So this is our last conversation about middle school. And I really want to get into topics that we really didn't get a chance to talk to about in the past few episodes. So I really want to talk about middle school love, which is always interesting. Um, I want to talk about the kids today and the things that they're going through in middle school, because I think that's a pretty serious conversation. And also about evangelical culture. We're going to tackle that as well. And and I don't think it's going to be maybe in that order, but we're going to get there. And then, of course, I also want to talk about fashion in the early 90s. I was in middle school from the fall of 1991 to the spring of 1994. There was a lot going on fashion-wise and just pop culture-wise. It was a very interesting time to be a 6th, 7th, and 8th grader. So let's dive into it. Let's talk about it. One thing I found really interesting is the responses that I have gotten from guys and from girls and how different they've been when they've been talking about their middle school experiences. Guys, every single one of them, every single response I got from guys was positive. I found that really interesting and and surprising, actually. Because in my mind, I felt like everybody had a bad middle school experience or or it was just difficult. But I heard from a lot of guys and, and every one of them enjoyed middle school. And I'm not saying that guys didn't have some hard things in middle school, but I just found it really interesting that most of their recollections were positive, whereas the girls that sent me responses were kind of a mixed bag. Some of them did talk about some positive things, but always latched onto it or tacked onto the end of it was something embarrassing or awkward or a, a hard lesson that they had to learn. And it just kind of proves to me that puberty is absolutely a different experience for girls and guys. I think a lot of it is because guys go through puberty at a different rate. It is most of the time, I think, later than girls. And I also believe that girls experience puberty in a much more in-your-face kind of way, right? We we have to shave and everybody notices. We start developing anatomy, (laughs) A little bit sooner, everybody notices. We get taller, usually faster than guys. Um, you know, we get our periods. And, and I'm not saying that guys don't have their own specific puberty problems that girls don't have to deal with. They absolutely do. But I do feel like guys get to be kids for just a little bit longer in middle school. I think that a lot of their issues start happening more towards the end of middle school, maybe the beginning of high school. And by that point, girls are starting to kind of figure some stuff out by high school. And we've gotten through the 
most of us through the absolute worst part of it. But I just found it really fascinating. I also think that girls have a lot more pressure when it comes to expectations. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, we are constantly comparing ourselves to each other and to expect to things that like we could never reach expectations that could not be met. Of course, we did not know that back then. We, you know, we didn't realize that there was photoshopping and, and a lot of, you know, angles and lighting that was going into a lot of the pictures that we were looking at. But, you know, we have a lot more that I think we're dealing with in middle school than guys do. Sorry, guys. We just, we had it harder. Now, we may have had different puberty experiences, girls and guys, but I think we all had the same hormonal awakenings of love. Middle school love. It was a real thing, and it was very serious. Sixth grade was the first time that I had an actual crush on someone that I knew. Now, you know, I loved Luke Skywalker. I had a thing for Atreyu from The NeverEnding Story. The kid from Flight of the Navigator. Beautiful. But sixth grade was the first time that I had a crush on a guy that I actually knew. He was flesh and bone, and he was in several of my classes. And his name was Brian. And I loved him so much. Of course, now this love, I would like to be clear, lasted maybe three months. But in middle school time, that's, you know, that's years, right? (laughs) That's forever. But he was in my classes. He was funny. He was, you know, cute. He was in our, he was in band. He played drums. And I just remember thinking he was the stuff. And in our school, you know, we didn't call it dating because where were we going? There was nowhere to go. Nobody could drive unless you just got on each other's bikes, I guess, and, you know, rode off into the sunset. So, but we called it going with each other. Like, would you go with me? I don't know where we thought we were going. Down the hall? (laughs) I don't know. To our lockers? But... That was what it was called. And I can remember just really wanting anybody to ask me if if I wanted to go with them. I remember writing that in my diary. I would like to go with someone. And but particularly at the beginning of middle school. And I think really my crush on Brian started around probably around November, December that year. I just started noticing him and I thought he was really cute and he was funny and he was nice to me, which probably was why I liked him because he was, you know, one of the few guys that was just very kind. And so I remember being terrified that he might find out that I liked him, but I also wanted him to know. I just didn't want to have to do the heavy lifting. So I came up with this brilliant plan and and the plan was I was going to write him a secret admirer letter. Like I had read about in a lot of books. And so I did it. I I wrote him this long, flowery, intense, (laughs) probably terrifying (laughs) to him uh, letter, just explaining how much I loved him and that I just really wanted to be his girlfriend. And I I concocted this plan that during break, I was going to sneak into our science class that we had after break. And I was, we had a signed seat, so I knew where he sat. And I was going to leave this letter on his desk. I don't even think I disguised my handwriting. <laughs> I think it was very, <laughs> it was very obvious that this was from Amanda Allen. Um, but I, I just put his name on the letter. You know, I had signed it, your secret admirer with lots of hearts and things. And then I left it on his desk. 
and then like, you know, ran back outside. So nobody could say, Oh, I saw Amanda going in there. So we get back in class and I'm trying to like not look because I know he's, he's looking at this letter. I watch him unwrap it and read it. And immediately he's like, Amanda. And I was like, Oh gosh. Oh gosh. He goes, Amanda, did you write this? And I was like, no, like immediately, immediately regretted my decision. And then at the, in that moment, like the worst thing that could happen was for him to find out that it was me that I had written. I just began to internally panic. He's like, did you write, did you write this? And I'm like, absolutely not. I don't know who wrote this. I have no idea who wrote that letter. I just denied, denied with everything that was in me. And, you know, I will give Brian credit. I don't believe he showed it to a lot of people. I think he may have shown it to a few friends. And I know he knew it was me. There's no way he didn't know it was me. (laughs) But he was a good guy and he did not make fun of me. Brian, incidentally, is also the twin brother of Ryan, who was in the yarn story in our last episode. Just good guys. But that was my first real experience with having just a huge crush. What's funny to me now, and also kind of telling, honestly, is that I just assumed he wasn't going to like me back. So when he asked me if I had written the letter, because, you know, I just hadn't thought that far into it, I immediately wanted to deny it because in my gut, I was like, he doesn't like you. He doesn't, he's not going to like you. This was a thing that went on with me, like all the way through high school, a lot of college, I would, you know, immediately friend zone myself or deny that I liked somebody because I just assumed that it was one-sided. And I never really would find out if if it could have been two-sided. I mean, who knows? <laughs> there are so many people that I would have a crush on, but like if they even hinted that they knew that I liked them or somebody asked me, I'd be like, absolutely not. We're just friends. And I think it really all kind of started back around that time. So, you know, insecurity, middle school insecurity. And then I have gotten a ton of responses from mainly girls telling about their short-lived romances. Uh, One girl sent me a message and she said that she had had a crush on a guy for a really long time. This is also, I think, in sixth grade. And second period, he asked her to be his girlfriend. He'd broken up with his other girlfriend. She said yes. And then by fourth period, he broke up with her because he said he still wasn't over the last girlfriend. It's very soap opera-like, very 90210. And then another girl wrote in and said that a guy, like they were on a field trip to the Huntsville Space Center, (laughs) Space and Rocket Center, and the guy, like somebody yelled across the parking lot to her, he broke up with, he's breaking up with you. And she was like, what? And like, he didn't even have the guts to tell her himself. So on, on the, you know, the field trip, she lost her boyfriend we we would do things in a heartless way. I also remember a guy coming up to me one time when I was waiting for my parents to pick me up and he was like, Hey Amanda, um, so I heard that you wanted to be my girlfriend and you wanted to go with me, but I just need to tell you that I already have a girlfriend, so I cannot go with you. And I was so angry <laughs> because I did not want to go with this boy. I don't know where he got it in his head, but it was so humiliating because it was like, he was like, sorry to let you down, but I'm taken. (laughs) So middle school romances were very intense, but mostly short-lived. I look back through my diaries and there are several entries about people that I can no longer remember who they were. There's a lot of first names and I'm very much in love with them. And I'm I'm telling my friends about how this is different. This is real love. And I can't remember who they were. (laughs) 
Um, I even got my yearbook out a while ago and I have like hearts around several guys' faces. And then I would have, I went back and I would have like marked them out. So, so you can tell that, you know, I loved them. And then I was like, no, they did something. I don't know. And then there'd be hard and hard another guy's face. And I'd mark that one out. So I had many crushes throughout middle school. Um, but none, I think that lasted more than a couple months. I grew up Baptist and the evangelical culture was very prevalent in the early nineties, especially in my town, in my school. And, you know, contemporary Christian music was really coming into its own then, you know, up until then we'd really had, as far as contemporary Christian, it was Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Sandy Patty, Twyla Paris. But then the early nineties, we got like DC talk and we were getting point of grace for him, Stephen Curtis Chapman and Jeff Moore in the distance. I can't tell you one song by Jeff Moore in the distance, but I remember thinking he was very cool. And then we had, I remember this conference that we would all go to and you got to start going to it, I believe in seventh grade. So it was like seventh and eighth grade. And I went two years in a row and it was the Dawson McAllister conference. Dawson McAllister was, if I remember right, a preacher. He was a radio show host And he would go around the United States and he would just have these conferences for young kids, like middle school age, I guess probably to early high school. And they were always themed. I think one year, I only remember really the second year and it was the rapture. So it was like, you know, a lot of talk about end times. It was very fascinating. And then they'd have a worship band. And I do remember that my eighth grade conference, the one about the rapture, Chris Tomlin was the worship leader before anybody knew who he was. He was very young, but he was really good. And we loved these conferences because, you know, we got to go overnight. We got to stay at hotels. We felt very grown up. But I look back on it and there was some discomfort that I felt during those conferences, mainly in in the portion that he always had these moments where he would have people stand up and they would ask him a question and he would answer the question. So kind of like a talk and response kind of moment. And this one kid in particular that he called on stood up and told Dawson McAllister he was dealing with depression. And this kid was overweight. And I just remember thinking, he was probably my age. I remember thinking, that's a brave thing to do in front of hundreds of other kids, especially middle school kids. And Dawson McAllister looks at him and said, you're depressed because you're overweight, right? (laughs) I'm like, what? And as someone who was also chubby, I remember thinking, I would have died if somebody had pointed that out in front of hundreds of kids. The kid starts crying and he's like, yes. And he's like, do you cut yourself? Do you cut yourself because you're overweight? Because, you know, cutting was a big thing then that was starting to really be an issue. And the kid is like, yes. And this kid is being destroyed in front of hundreds of people. And Dawson McAllister is just really egging it on. And I just remember thinking, I don't know if that's cool. (laughs) I don't really like that. And then, of course, like everybody, you know, like gathered around him and hugged him and prayed for him. And these are the things that we did. It was a very, I'm not saying it was all bad, but it was kind of a bullying Christian culture. The evangelical, we will force you (laughs) into Christianity. And I know that I myself, I look back, did some things because I thought I was doing the right thing that now I just, I cringe when I think about some of the stuff that I did and said. One of my friends sent me a story about how when she was in 
I think she said eighth grade, there were some goth kids in her class and she just felt very burdened for them and felt like they needed to know Jesus. And so thinking that she was doing the right thing in a good, you know, great intentions, she wrote out some Bible verses on an index card and just left them on the kid's desk. And this kid had come apart on her and was very offended knew it was her, yelled at her, cried, tore up the card in front of her. And she told me that, you know, she is still scarred from that, that she was so embarrassed and felt so bad that this kid thought that she was trying to insult him. And, you know, we think we're doing the right thing, right? We, we, you know, unprovoked, you know, we're just, these kids, these people are asking for us to intervene in their life. And we're just like, you know, we're going to witness. And sometimes I think that that is called for. I mean, I think that, you know, we need to be upfront about our beliefs and and our love for Jesus and not ashamed of it. But there's a difference between not being ashamed and ramming it down someone's throat, right? Now, this girl obviously did not ram it down his throat. This person had a a very, um, I would say, over-the-top reaction. But, you know, you would never know what was going on in that kid's mind. Like somebody, he may have had a really bad church experience, and of course, she didn't know that. And so, like I said, her intentions were good. But I identified with that so much. I remember there was a girl in our class when I was in eighth grade who was kind of kind of known for being shocking. Like she did things on purpose to be talked about. She enjoyed the the shock value. And I was so concerned for her. I, I genuinely was. I, I really wanted her to know Jesus. And for whatever reason, she was my friend. She liked me. And I remember she called me on the phone one night and I just started in on her. And I was just like, I just, you know, I really feel burdened for you. I really feel like you just need to accept Christ. And bless her heart, she tried to make me happy. And I think looking back on it, I know that what I was doing was I was railroading this girl into what I wanted her to do, which was accept Christ. But she did not come up with this idea and did not understand and was not on board but she wanted to make me happy because she was my friend. And I got her to repeat the sinner's prayer after me on the phone. And I was so excited. Like I got off the phone and I was like, oh, she just got saved. I ran and told my parents and they were so happy for me. You know, of course they were. But you know, somewhere today, I feel like this girl is telling someone I was terrorized by an evangelical eighth grader. (laughs) You know, she did not ask me to do that. And of course, you know, our friendship deteriorated after that. I, I hope that she came to Christ or, you know, and you know, you never know. Maybe it did affect her. I have a feeling it didn't. I have a feeling maybe it was something she had to overcome my methods. I hope that she found her way back. But, you know, it was just the way I was raised. It was the way we were all raised. We we thought we were doing right. And I think we now know that that type of proselytizing and being very in your face about Christianity is it's not really the way to do it. But middle school is a time for us all to figure things out, right? Um, and by high school, I, I was not so much like that. But you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I had friends that stuck by me because I think that probably was a pretty unlikable side of my personality. And um, I am comforted by the fact that a lot of people wrote in with stories that were similar Um, It's just something that we all have to learn. And, you know, as they say, as Maya Angelou says, you know, when you know better, you do better. And I hope that we're all doing better now. I don't think we give middle schoolers enough credit 
for just getting through the day, just in general. It is hard. It's probably the weirdest time of everybody's life. And, you know, I hear a lot of people my age saying things like, well, these kids will never know all the stuff that we went through or that we didn't have. Of course, that's true. Everything is different. It was a completely different time. But people are still people and middle schoolers are still middle schoolers. They're still... 11, 12, and 13-year-olds. It doesn't matter what time period they're in, what decade. They're feeling all the same feelings. And, you know, they're not little kids anymore, but they're not adults. They don't have autonomy over anything. They don't feel like little kids, but they can't make any decisions. Their parents still have to facilitate everything for them. They don't have bank accounts. They can't get in a car and leave a situation. You know, the biggest act of rebellion they have is going in their bedroom and writing angry diary entries. And I think we need to cut them a little slack when they lose it because they're going to, they're going to crack. All of those emotions are every day being pent up inside of them. We cannot expect them to be little adults. We have to give them some grace and understand that they're trying their best for the most part. You know, we didn't have internet in the nineties. And I say, thank God to that because I can't imagine some of the things I would have put on Facebook or Instagram. And I'm talking like even in high school and college, I'm so thankful because it's a whole different world. And let's talk a little bit about girls and just like body expectations. That's like, that's, that to me is unreal. The things that these kids are having to face now. You know, when I was in middle school, I subscribed to Teen Magazine. I would read Seventeen and sometimes YM. I think Jane was the other one. But teen was my favorite. And I can remember looking at the girls in those magazines and thinking, I do not look like that. And trying to figure out how I could get myself to look like that. And like I said before, not knowing that nobody really looked like that. There were a lot of filters even then. And, you know, lighting tricks and things. You know, these girls didn't look like the girls in those magazines themselves. But now we've got TikTok. We've got things that will make you look like a completely different person. I think about the Kardashians. Like they've made a whole career about chopping their bodies into shapes in pictures that are not achievable for anyone. But when you are 11 years old, 12 years old, you're looking at these things and you think because it is in front of you on your phone that it's real. Of course you do. I would. I can't imagine how damaging It would be to my self-esteem at that age to be looking at some of these things on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and, and comparing myself, looking at the mirror in the mirror and thinking, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? You know, it's hard. These kids have got it really difficult. And in addition to body image pressures, boys and girls are now exposed to, how can I say this delicately, adult content in a way that we would never have dreamed of when we were in middle school, people my age. You know, when I was in middle school, it was not something that you could come across accidentally the way you can now. You had to do a lot of work to find adult content, and I knew people that did, but, you know, it wasn't free. Now, though, all you have to do is type one word into a search engine and everything comes up. So, you know, we talked about in the last episode health classes and the way we kind of learned about the birds and the bees. Kids are not learning it that way anymore. They're learning it from their phones. They absolutely are. They're learning about 
things that they are way too young to know about from their phone or from somebody else showing them their phone. And that is terrifying to me that, you know, innocence is a thing that we all want to hold on to as long as possible for our children. And the internet has made it almost impossible. And of course, I'm not saying that the internet is all bad. There's some, you know, I use it every day and I, I couldn't imagine my life without it. But that is something that has made middle school infinitely trickier and more difficult to navigate. And the other thing I think that kids today face that in a way that we didn't face, the bullying is on a different level. There's always going to be bullying in middle school, unfortunately. I think it's just it's just life. It's the way it is. That's where mean kids really start being mean. But now we've got the anonymity of Facebook and Instagram where somebody can film somebody doing something embarrassing and then anonymously share it with everybody. You know, it was bad enough when you did something, you know, some of the stories I told you, like my hairy legs, for instance, like it was bad enough that the kids that were in my class saw it or in my school. I can't imagine if someone had filmed that interaction and then posted it and then it went, you know, maybe viral. You know, we are seeing suicides in middle schoolers in numbers that were never that way in the 90s. And it's really sad. And then, you know, there's school shootings that unfortunately now have become common. That's something we didn't deal with in the early 90s either. So I think all that to say, kids have a hard time right now. It's much harder than we ever had to deal with. So if you have a middle schooler or you know a middle schooler, if they have a come apart on you, if they have a temper tantrum, cut them some slack because they are dealing with this stuff every day. And what can we do? I think what we can do is just stick by them, understand them, listen to them, let them know that they can come to us. We are always going to be a safe place and we will all get through this. We got through it and we will help them get through it. I'd like to end this episode on a happy note. So I really want to talk about especially early 90s fashion and the choices that we made therein. I Let's talk about hair first. So this is what's really weird to me looking back at pictures of myself. I have naturally curly, wavy hair. But for some reason, I would perm my bangs. Not the rest of my hair, but just my bangs. So I would have this like, pyramid mall hair bang situation going on and then just really frizzy hair below that because I I never really knew what to do with wavy curly hair so I would just brush it it was a tragedy it was an absolute tragedy up until I think eighth grade in eighth grade I remember getting a bob which my mother called a page boy (laughs) And I remember going to the salon and being like, I'd like a page boy. And then we're like, what? And she was like, oh, a bob. And that changed my whole life. I mean, I still did not have great hair sense until probably, you know, I had some better hair moments in high school. But it, it made me look like a much better version of myself because it was a struggle up until that point. 
And then, you know, someone else wrote in that there were so many bows in the 90s. We had just tons of them, didn't we? Laura Ashley was a huge thing. Bubble suits. You remember those? There were basically dresses that were painted that were like jumpsuits, but they were also like very floral and eastery. Just very odd, but we we wore them. I remember uh, duck shoes were were big, and there was a, there were the plastic shoes that you would wear, I guess maybe to hunt <laughs> or they're waterproof. But we would wear them with shorts. That was that was a thing. Birkenstocks and socks were a big deal. We all did it, and you would wear and it was Birkenstocks and socks, but you would wear like socks that went like halfway up your calf. Very you know, but we thought it was very cool. Um, Guess was very popular. Like all the brand name t-shirts that had like Nike, Guess, hypercolor shirts. That was also a thing. And I don't know why we wanted these. But, you know, hypercolor shirts would change color when you would sweat. Who wants to highlight where they're sweating? I don't know why, but we all did it. I remember going to Six Flags on like a, a math trip or something. I don't know why we went to Six Flags, but we did. And People wearing these hypercolor shirts, like they would have like rings, like the shirt would be pink and then it would be like a ring of blue around their armpits and their neck and their back. Like you just see where everybody was sweating. No fear. I remember that, those shirts a lot. And then I, weirdly enough, went through a period where I wore a lot of dress suits, <laughs> like power suits for children. I mean, I looked 42 years old. I look like I was the librarian at school. If I can find a picture of me in a dress suit, I I will show it. It, It's ridiculous. I'm like 13 years old wearing um, a working girl Melanie Griffith outfit. Like, Like I was going to work in New York City in the receptionist pool. So fashion was, was interesting. Um, and then there was, you know, other music and movies. Like, you know, I remember listening to a lot of Lisa Loeb. She came out in 1994, so like my eighth grade year, and I can still sing you every single lyric to her first album, Lisa Loeb and the Nine Stories, and especially her song, Stay, I Missed You. I, I remember that movie, Reality Bites, you know, it was on the soundtrack, and just thinking Winona Ryder was just the coolest thing. And, you know, it was really the beginning of the grunge phase you know, we had Nirvana and, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, like all these things were coming out around that time. It was really an interesting time to be alive. I also remember Dave Matthews Band making his appearance in like 93. I remember being in a store and hearing Ants Marching for the first time. And I'd never heard anything like that. So those were good parts of middle school that I really look back at with fondness. So middle school, was it fun all the time? No, there are absolutely some things that I think all of us will be unpacking until we die. <laughs> things that we're trying to unlearn that we learned in middle school. But it really is a common experience that we all share. We all made it through it for the better. Most of us, <laughs> I hope. But we did it. We survived middle school. Hallelujah. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week while we wrapped up our conversation on middle school. I have enjoyed it so much. It has been so much fun. 
And I just want to remind you all that we do have a Spotify playlist. So if you will get on Spotify and look up Resting Church Face, that's the name of the playlist, you will find a ton of songs that are geared towards making you feel like you are the main character of your own life, because you are. But a lot of them are nostalgic early 90s songs, and I just think you'll really get a kick out of that. Thank you again so much for following and subscribing and telling your friends and for leaving such nice reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I appreciate it so much. If you want to find me on Instagram, it is super easy. I'm at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a fantastic week. Let's get together again soon.